Hey, it's Daniel Belay, and this is more After Work. Here we interview our peers within the creative industry and find out who they are, how they found their passion, and what else they have going on after work. Hey, it's Belay, and today on the podcast, we've got... Michael Lang? Michael Lang! <laughs> you beat me to it! Michael Lang! I, I Usually I do like a little three-word setup. Oh, I'm like, sorry. Michael Lang. He's, you, had a, uh, you had a pause. <laughs> Michael Lang? Oh, yeah, I forgot your name. Uh, no. Uh, usually I go like, Michael Lang, he's a... I say no. I say usually no. I usually say he's a motion designer. Uh huh. Um, I would also say purple belt in jujitsu oh. and a brony, <laughs> Michael Lang. It's, a, it's a little tempo. We got a three step here. Okay. You know how to dance? Yeah. Three step. Three steps. Two step. It's actually two steps. That's how I know you don't dance. All right. <laughs> so how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty well. Chilling. Yeah, it's Thursday, so it is Thursday. I can't wait for yeah. tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gonna blast off this render. <laughs> yeah, you already know what I've been going through. Yeah, with this, can you please tell the people. So essentially, Daniel had a problem with this um, <laughs> technique in uh, cinema called global illumination and how it adds a long period to his renders, and it provides like a great look. And it's generally made for environments and rendering in environments. However, we're rendering logos and things like that. However, the way it was built was using global illumination, and mm. it causes it to Preach. be. A lot longer for renders a and things like that. A lot longer. And yeah, I mean, it just it's just been a hassle. And the, the time it takes to require a f- to render a frame is like over an hour. And it's just... Bullshit. Yeah, it's just not a good process. So so it sucks that the last person who made it pretty much... So it's like, just imagine this, right? Like imagine you're doing something that's like... in a, Wait, let's let's just say a movie. Pick a, pick a movie. Pick a random movie, Michael Lang. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Let's say we're from oh, fucking that doesn't do anything for me. Let's say we're doing a like a heavy 3D movie. Let's say we're doing Avengers. Okay. And you got Iron Man, right? And I'm like, man, global illumination would make so much sense because you really want to get that lighting and the shadows and just to look so damn real because it's a movie and it's gonna be blown up to 4K or whatever. And you know, it's being under scrutiny and you only got one shot for this guy. And it's going to be seen many, many, many. You know, the, sh- the 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 shelf on this guy is forever. You know, Avengers, the first Avengers movie, like mm-hmm. it's going to be rewatched like forever, right? Um, and what we're doing is super, super, like literally, it's a it's graphic design that's three D. And so for that shit to use global illumination, it's like, come on, bro. Like you could have lit it and textured it right, and could have saved me hours. Anyway, so. That's that's what's been going on. It, done. We're done. Yeah, that's right, been Belay's you. day. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, what is good, man? What is going on here? Uh, not much, man. You Why know? are you? What, what's up with this bro like brony thing? I never really got into it with you, but explain. Uh, How did you get into this? So <laughs> the reason I became a brony was I kind of stumbled across it on Netflix, and I kind of never even knew of brony culture. My Little Pony. My Little Pony. You Fred- stumbled upon the cartoon My Little Pony. Yeah, it was recommended for Michael. And I was like, oh, whatever. I guess because I like anime or whatever, they would recommend My Little Pony. Right. And I never really thought much of it. But I was just like, hey, you know what? Netflix is recommending it to me. They like projected it would be a five-star show. Mm. I ended up watching it, and I was like, oh, man, this show is amazing. And like the colors are really bright, and uh, there's a lot of things going on. LSD. <laughs> there's a lot of sensory overload. And right. And it's like a little fun show. I mean, it's easy to watch. It's like, you know, made for little children. So it's 
really easy to understand. You don't really have to pay attention to it. So I started just watching it. Next thing you know, like I'm like halfway through the second season in like a couple of days. And then I was like, man, I guess I really like this show. This is weird. And then I found out that like there's this whole community called Bronies. And I was like, wait, what do you mean that guys like the show? I, th- I thought I was unique. And right. apparently it's like a huge thing. And then there's like toys and like meetups. I've never really met another brony. Yeah, people, the guys dress up as ponies. Well, I've done that before, but that's only for Halloween. So it's <laughs> it's, it's in appropriate settings. But right. yeah, it's like, it's weird, but it's just like, I think I really like colors and I like animals. And it just, I like it as a show and I like the animals themselves, but I don't necessarily say, I would say I was a brony, but. You wouldn't say you're a brony. I guess I am because I watched the show, but <laughs> I haven't done any like extracurricular brony activities, but I think that's probably because I don't have any brony friends. Yeah. Yeah. You don't. Oh, I thought you would have brony friends. Nobody's a brony. Oh, you're a lone broner. They're, yeah, I'm, I'm a lone brony. Yeah. There's no herd around me, so. <laughs> yeah, no herd. yeah, I saw that episode of Bob's Burger and they made fun of bronies. Oh, yeah. The question It's one of my favorite episodes. It's, it's hysterical. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, man, we met. You remember how we met? I was an intern in 2011, the summer of 2011 or 2012. I can't quite remember. Sophomore year? Sophomore year of my college, yeah. The end of your sophomore year. Yes, exactly. I just finished my sophomore year of Parsons, and I went in an internship. And uh, I applied to a lot of places because I really wanted to, you know, get a leg up. So this was considered early after my sophomore. Was this your first internship? This was, yes. Oh, wow. And then I applied to CBS, and then I met John Paul, and he brought me on. And I was really excited to be working over the summer, and I was making a whopping $13 a day. I was really excited. I was like, oh, sweet. I was like, that's enough for a subway ride there, a subway ride back, and to buy myself a subway sandwich and had like three dollars to spare. It was dope. It was that's pretty great. Yeah, but then um I ended up spending like that entire stipend on like lunch every day, just in Dude, general. We were just talking about that. Like we're spending way too much lunch. Now we're working at CBS Sports. I think the location has a big part. It's just hard to get anywhere and the delivery is just always gonna add three dollars to your meal, three or four bucks, and then it's always gonna be thirteen bucks at a minimum. No matter what you get, so yeah, and we're at fifty seventh and tenth half. Yeah, oh, so. it's so amazing. It's nowhere near any trains, so it's where Daredevil plays. Yeah, exactly, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, uh, there's this funny joke I read on uh, Twitter, and it was that you know your superhero is blind when he can only cover like a five block radius because <laughs> that's how big Hell's Kitchen is. <laughs> that's pretty good. I like that. I'm yeah. taking that. That's pretty fucking hilarious. It's I a like good, that. It's a good joke. And you came from Texas. I came from Dallas, yeah. And um, I felt like I never really quite fit in down there. It was just like really Southern and a little bit more conservative than I would have liked. And I never, I wouldn't say I was like an artsy kid growing up. I was always kind of like, I would say more nerdy than artsy. And there wasn't really like a whole like tech movement or anything like that. So I was always kind of one of the like Asians. I was like always pulled into the Asians <laughs> the group. Asian and all, cr- like crew? Yeah, I think. Man, you grew up in an Asian community? Like, like when I say that, I mean like. Did your parents pick out a spot to live in where that was the community that you're in? My parents picked a place near their relatives. So by default, it was an Asian community and they all worked at the same place. And then there's a, yeah. So I guess our area did have like a large, like Asian community, like, cause I'm specifically Cambodian and my mother and my father both had like friends and colleagues from like back home in Cambodia that were in in Dallas. So so that community, quote unquote. Cambodian? Yeah. Okay, okay. 
And yeah, it was like pretty tightly knit. Like everyone seemed to know each other. And whenever we would go to like Cambodian New Year, which is in April, we would go to the temple and like all the parents knew each other. And we didn't necessarily go to the same school, but we still like kind of associated and knew each other through like two degrees of separation and became like this whole thing. Like if I was like talking to a girl that was like Cambodian from another school, they would like know her parents and everything about her already. Uh, She's a good girl. Yeah, it was like a small world. Yeah, it was a really small world back then. Oh, man, I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, so was it one of those things where it's like you don't know these like your friends that you're saying like they're your cousin though? Like would your parents be like, yo, that's your cousin? No, no, it was never like that. It wasn't. It wasn't like you know incestual in any way. It would be my like cousins' friends that they would know. Okay. Yeah. But do you have those? Like, like my family, literally, like growing up, maybe when I hit my teenage years, like yeah, like when I was like eighteen, about to go to college, I was like, you know, I'm talking about all my cousins, and you know, one of my my oldest sister, she's like, you know, you're not like related to any of them, and I'm like, what are you talking about? That's my cousin. We're all cousins. She's like, no, no, that's just like. Your mom's just saying like, oh, you know, you guys are really close. We're close to their family. So you guys are cousins, but you guys are not really related. I was like, wait, so like, that's not my real uncle. And (laughs) and I was like, no. And I was like, is the Ethiopians the only one who do this? Like, oh, we do that. We also, we oftentimes call like older, like parent, like older adults, kind of like uncle and aunt, but they're not necessarily our biological uncle or aunt. Yeah. But I never thought of them as my uncle or aunt. Yeah. And so you're in your family's first generation? My family is Cambodian Cambodian. So they're not first generation. I'm first generation American. You're first yeah. generation. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So yeah, they so they came here first. Yeah. What do your parents do for a living? Uh my mother is, works in like accounting slash finance for a pharmaceutical company in Dallas. My father works at like a wood factory as like a plant manager. That's cool. Yeah. Sweet. And then you get into the design. <laughs> yeah, and I got into design. My mom always wanted me to be a little bit more academic in my studies in right. terms of like math or science i was never really like a big math person in high school yeah but uh i was always really into science so if it wasn't design it would have been science for sure what do you think that is though i don't i think i really like the experimenting process you know like not necessarily chemistry more physics i was really into physics because you could do math and you could find answers to it. it it just seemed to be like a clear path to the answer and you could always test it it was just like a lot of fun for me yeah i feel like i agree i feel like science was i enjoy, i definitely enjoyed science more than I did math, but what was weird is like, I don't know why I didn't like math a lot because it seemed like when you look at it from a different angle, it's like there's the answers right there. Yeah. Like it's like, it's all about remembering the formulas. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, so, if, so just remember the formula. I think but what I could never do it. <laughs> like I struggled with is because it seems so abstract. The math that we were working in, like pre-calculus and calculus and things like that yeah. was really abstract and it was really hard to kind of apply it to something you could physically see like in if you were to do like physics or something like that you'd necess- like you absolutely can see and test it and you're doing experiments and hypotheses and things like that what about air though and oxygen h2o like how do you test that bro oh the H2O chemistry chemistry test. i was terrible at chemistry i was like really <laughs> bad just because <laughs> there was just too much process and Adams. yeah too many unaccounted things that i struggled with yeah. you know yeah chemistry was always hard for me do you have siblings no i'm an only child oh yeah how's that how's uh, that talk to me well, I had a lot of cousins growing up. I think uh, like well over 10 cousins yeah. ranging from currently now. I think the youngest one is like 21 and the oldest is like 37. And uh, so I'm like right in the middle of there. So, um, I mean, I didn't necessarily live close to a lot of them. Some of them are in Florida, Oklahoma, California and whatnot. But um, I always kind of had them to kind of hang out with and things like that growing up when I was really young. However, as I got older, I didn't want to necessarily go over there anymore just because I always had the comfort of like my own house. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I ended up wanting to just like 
do my own thing and play games and you know i was like a lot more independent like as i started getting older i think that's something that comes with being an only child what were you doing when, in high school uh what do you mean by like oh uh, yeah let me let me phrase that like were you did you go to like a regular high school did you go like what like i've noticed too like a lot of people surprisingly for me i've i never knew that a lot of people go to like a art oriented high school in Dallas, we didn't have that. Um, I went to a public high school, but we did have this program called, uh, at the time it was called Dale Jackson Career Center and slash Career Center East now. And what that involved was like, there's all these courses that you could take while you're in high school and you get like six credits. And it would be things like auto tech or auto repair or criminal justice. And um, there's one for animation. Like 3D animation. That's cool. I didn't take that one because, I, <laughs> like, it just wasn't my vibe back then. Yeah, yeah. And then there was one called advertising design. They had three levels, and it was one, two, and three. So I took that every year since my sophomore year. But what made you pick advertisement design? Like, how well, did you know? Because I loved graphic design. Okay. And um, the way I got into graphic design was, like, through message boards on the internet. And, um, you know, designing for message boards and doing signatures and things like that. Oh, and dude, SIGs and avatars. SIGs and avatars, exactly. And then I ended up going to, like, all these forums that were just for creating SIGs and avatars. And, like, they're art forums. And that's how I really got introduced to the, like, art scene. And because I was never into traditional art. I'm still not, like, that into drawing and illustration so and things like, like that. So, like, fine arts. Yeah, the fine arts never appealed to me, but the design world did right. at a very young age. And I really – I loved it. It was, like, my hobby. In ninth grade – I would go home and that's what I would do. I would just like make work. <laughs> and I look back and I'm like, man, I, I was like really ambitious when I was younger. <laughs> like you were really into it. Like I was, you really had a passion. Yeah. Right. And um, so I was just doing it for fun. And then I took a tour and they had this class called Advertising Design where they used Photoshop. And I was like, oh, dude, that's like my favorite like video game at the time. Like, Because you know how kids would want to play video games. I would just play Photoshop all day and just like learn all the blending modes and the techniques and you know, and um, so I took the class and it gave me a really good basis because I didn't really quite know of like techniques like print, like designing for print, 300 DPI. Those were like techniques that completely are, you know, never taught to you because I didn't learn Photoshop in a formal way. I just kind of right. went at it 400 by 100 pixels. Let's just go at it. You right. know, like, let's just do it. But then when I um, went to the class, they taught me about print and they talked about like techniques and things like that. And um you know, like taking photos and printing photos and putting type over photos and things like that. And like real like professional level, like not necessarily professional level, but like, you know, the type of work that you would be working on professionally. I was like, you know, doing mock ads for medicine bottles and right. things like that. And I was like, some of this kind of sucks. <laughs> and um, in high school. Yeah, in yeah. high school. So I was like, because I went from creating signatures that were just purely for fun right. or like illustrations that were purely for fun into doing projects like oh grab a product out of a bag and you're gonna make an ad about that for today oh literally you have like a sack of products exactly <laughs> i got like bayer heart aspirin pills and things like that and now was there was, a shoe in there was there a nike shoe in there i don't the know lucky bastard i think there Jack was hot. there was like items that were more sought after than others because there was things like tomato sauce and then i was like man this sucks <laughs> And I think, like, that kind of led me to not like it as much. And right. so there was, like, this period. I took it every year because I knew that that's, like, kind of what I wanted to do but not 
working in advertising in that sense. And um, so I was very uneven and inconsistent in that class. My motivation was like very varied. Like if a project like clicked with me, like instantly right. I'd be all in on it and I would work on it from home. I would take pictures and do things like that. If it were more like, you know, like, oh, you kind of have to do this, then, you know, my interest was a lot less. And yeah. yeah, you're like, yeah, the fire, the burning fire. But I think that's like a really good testament to kind of like how the working world is. It's like, you're not always going to be just working on, hey, here's an eight and a half by 11 document, make something and then send it off. Like, you're going to have to understand that you have to work with clients and things like that. So I really owe a lot to my teacher from high school for kind of like giving me like a formal ground in it. And yeah, it's been a good time. So and, it, and then, so wait, so then you graduate. Well, yes. First you go to prom. Yeah. And then <laughs> you graduate. Yeah. And uh, what, what? So what did you end up doing about school? Like, how did you go? How did you come about saying, "Oh man, I'm about to leave Dallas. I'm out of here." So I was like, I was still confused because I was kind of turned off about graphic design. I don't know. I think maybe like I lost a little bit of passion for it or whatever. I mean, I still loved it, and I knew that. Like, I was skilled at it at the time. I kind of knew, like, I could do this in school and, like, maybe I'll get inspired again or maybe I don't want to work in advertising or print or anything like that. And um, so I wanted to do go to a school where I had options. And um, I received a pamphlet in the mail for the University of Michigan School of Art and Design. And um, they're, like, a well-renowned university for all their academics and things of the sort. So I figured, you know, if they have a whole school dedicated to their design program that it would be good because everything there is supposedly good. Like, that's how I received it. So I really wanted to go there. And then I was like, oh, you know, like, I'll pursue a major in communications as well and work in advertising. It'll be great. And then, you know, like, I wanted to be an art director. I don't know, like, how that happens. Let's say, like, how do you, because, like, how do you know, like, I, it's interesting when I meet people like that, like you, like yeah. where they like they knew exactly the title, the the career, the path, like you know, like it was so foreign to me. So how did you? Yeah, how do you know this? Yeah, yes, like my Elevation teacher, or? my teacher, her name was Miss Harmon at the time, or it is still now, and um, <laughs> she, uh, her name's Dave. She kind of just like went through and kind of taught us the ropes about advertising, and we actually went on tour at an agency. And, you know, like we learned about like copywriters and art directors. That's cool. Yeah. And I guess like the whole concept of being a designer in general, like without being the director was kind of seen as more of an entry level type thing. And I was always like, oh, you know, like I don't want to like settle for entry level. I want to be like an art director. I like want to know my shit. So, yeah, that's what I strive to be when I wanted to go to college. I wanted to understand both like the kind of communication aspect in terms of like the thinking, the critical thinking. And I wanted to be able to do the technical aspect of the design. Right. So that's why I wanted to go to a school like Michigan that had a really good communications program and like good academic program in general. And um, yeah, that's that kind of harder math though. Uh, I didn't have to take math actually, <laughs> nice. thankfully. Yeah. But no, I ended up leaving because their design program was like a little lackluster. Like it wasn't, well, I wouldn't go as far to say lackluster, but it wasn't what I was looking for. I felt like I knew I really wanted to do graphic design, and that's all I wanted to do. And the program was a little bit more diverse. Like, you had to take other courses, and um, there weren't a lot of graphic design courses offered. And I felt as though I wasn't going to grow as much technically as I would like, and I wouldn't be t getting my hands into, like, all these programs, like After Effects and things like that. So, like, what kind of – so what pro – are you talking about your first and second year right now? This is my fr first year. Okay. Yeah. And, and so that's, like, what? Like, you do, like, you have to take a psychology class kind of thing? You have to – Draw some naked people. Yeah, there's drawing. One on one. There's drawing. Deal. There's like sculpture. You right. know, like three D. Still life. Yeah. Then there's um, 
Oh, yeah, 3D. Yeah. Color theory, probably. Uh, it wasn't called color theory. We didn't necessarily have a color theory course. We had, man, I couldn't even tell you. We had art history oh, yeah. one and two. Thankfully, those credits transferred over. Um, <laughs> we had an English course. I think I only took like four classes per semester, maybe five classes. Yeah. And um, yeah, then we had like a graphic design course and uh, like an elective and my elective was like photo essay, which was about like photojournalism. That's cool. And as but I was like so not formally trained. I had like a nice camera at a Nikon D five thousand at the time, and I was like I was an okay photographer for you know my age and things like that. But I really didn't apply critical thinking in the way that I should have. Right. And um, why? Why, why is that? I think I was young and inexperienced, and I didn't. I don't think I really quite got it, like the it factor in terms of like the way to think about art and design. And I don't know when I was able to kind of put things together, but I was definitely making a lot of mistakes my <laughs> freshman year. And I think also because oh, everyone is, you know, yeah, I think because also I was out of the house and I was young and I was stupid and I just wanted to have a good time and have that whole college experience with the like, you know, parties and the basketball games and the making friends. Yeah, thing that man. It kind of took away from my studies and my devotion, but you know, it's be better to have it than not to have it. I mean, that's pretty cool that you go to that school and then from that school that you're like, oh, you know. But yeah, how do you even how do you even pick Parsons? How do you go from? I mean, maybe it's not that far fetched, but I think I wanted to be put in a place where I could have the most opportunities to kind of like work and have internships and things like that. Like just because I knew that if I were put, I the reason I should have chosen. Well, I I don't have any regrets, but. I definitely think at the time that I wanted to be in like New York and um, just because there's all this work opportunities and, you know, other like reasons, cause I love New York and things like that. And, um, and, you know, Parsons had a communication design program and it was pretty well received. It, you know, they're <laughs> like, they have a good reputation for things like typography yeah. and, you know, like print work. And I, before I went to Parsons, I wanted to be an art director, like at a magazine or advertising. So, and I felt like New York was like the place to do that. Right. So That's yeah. Essential. So I transferred to Parsons, and uh, I definitely learned a lot at Parsons for sure. Like technically, uh, especially about typography, I feel like they really massaged you into that typography like knowledge base and knowing these types of fonts and understanding the differences and the situations and using them. And I mean, it's pretty cool that you you did like. That's a, I always say like it's just a the best approach, man, to like attack like to attack your studies first in graphic design and nailing that down. Like you were saying, like understanding the critical thinking and the language and mm -hmm. just like getting real like quotes unquote simple things, air quotes here. Yeah. But like the simple things like color and you know, proportions and yeah. all, repetition, all, all this shit. And uh but then you know, when you when you apply it to your motion, you know, like it's it's you know half the work was done you know yeah I mean? yeah like, i that was a big thing with me like getting into motion design i was just like i really liked style framing style framing and storyboarding i was like oh man we could just make it look so beautiful and then i realized that that was why i loved motion graphics was because of the whole design aspect of it and then the animating part is just tying those strings together and then making it into like this one full piece and that's like why i really like it because i love to design but i always felt as though, like, if I made a print piece, it's a one and done. And although it looks nice, like, if, unless if I was an illustrator, it just always felt like I could do more with it. And um, 
Yeah, then motion design is like, oh man, it's like asking everything from you. Like you're gonna start from the nothing to the end, and you're gonna have like no work done, and like you're gonna have to do like, if a piece is twenty four frames per second, you're gonna have to have like twenty four frames per second worth of good design. So it was like this fun challenge, and it was just like I could just go from one scene to the next and do these like kinds of transitions, and that became fun. So that's how I kind of got into motion design. And, how, and what point, like what point was it that that happened for you? It wasn't until my third motion design class because I learned motion graphics from you. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> yes, I did. I didn't even know After Effects. Like, I didn't even know it was a program, essentially. Well, I knew of it, but I didn't really even... I wasn't familiar with the interface or keyframes or anything like that. None of the terminology I knew. And I took the internship at CBS, and Daniel Belay was... A, How's that? The one who taught me how to set keyframes and animate. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's true. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like, what, what made you, like, commit to, uh, like wanting like what uh, you were saying like it all connects for you but it's like you know you, you're saying like you grew up in texas and you're like man i'm going to like be advertising and like art direct and graphic design and i'm sure and you were saying like you liked anime and everything but like did you ever like did it really ever you know like it's it's hindsight 2020 but like did you ever see that like i'm going to live in new york and i want to be animating i never thought i was going to be animating too, but you know like never thought i was going to be animating i thought i was going to be a designer like I don't know, like Ogilvy or something, you know, like that was kind of like a dream. Like I think even like in Michigan, I was like, oh man, I would love to work at Ogilvy as like a art director and work in advertising and, right. you know, cause they have like when you, yeah, you romanticize it and you kind of see like the glass windows from the floor to the ceiling and like, oh my God, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, that's what I want, you know, being on the 10th floor with the view and looking down at all the yeah. things. <laughs> And then you you see a billboard and that's you, that's you know, you. that's your campaign. You know, you launch a campaign, <laughs> you sell that product. But, um, yeah, I don't know when I lost favor for it, for advertising. I think I just found other things I enjoyed more, like storytelling and design yeah. to become more of the driving force of what I want to do. Right. Yeah. And when you start getting, and so when you start like getting more into motion design and, you know, obviously you're still, you're still designing and you're still doing like graphic work, like graphic design and still things but like did you ever like have to tell yourself like how do you go about transitioning that like uh would you say that you do more motion design now than you do graphic design i would say yes currently now i do more motion design than i do graphic design um it's been that way since pretty much i graduated i haven't really been doing a lot of just pure graphic design and i think it's also like a preference for me too it's just a little bit harder i guess because you have to design a little bit more and i like to design more like just because if i were giving a project or given a project and i had to storyboard something i would automatically have to design like five things but if i were given a like a logo design project i don't i won't necessarily like explore as many options and i feel like it's like i'm not one of those guys that's going to keep trying keep trying keep trying till he gets it right type thing like with the logos like i was never a logo designer and i still am not right it's a muscle it's like a muscle yeah like that is a whole thing on its own yeah like you know when we go through presentations and you see like 200 iterations of a logo i was oh, like oh Jesus. my god yeah. like i like it just gets tiring for me to do one thing like 200 times right. i don't know it's just really hard and i know it's a good skill to have right. so i still need to refine that in terms of like animation technique and things like that right but um it just like didn't appeal to me to make like logos and yeah. you know print design work um i mean even graphic designers there's graphic designers who don't want to do that 
Yeah. Right? Like they're, they're like, yeah, I'm a designer and I just don't, I look, like making logos, that's just not my shtick. Like, yeah. I'm not that guy who just busts out fucking like logos like nothing. Yeah. Anytime, because that's usually always when like, uh, your friends and family come to you for work. It's always like, oh, my friend needs logo design. It's either a logo or a website. And it's, <laughs> I'm always like, oh my God, like, no, I don't do this. And I was like, so what do you even do? And I was like, I do motion graphics. Like, what does that even mean? And I was like, you know, like for television, they're like, oh, it's so like animation. And I'm like, I guess. Because why, why do you say I guess? Because you're thinking about animation in a well, different type of way? Like I do animate. Anime? I do animate, but I do not draw ponies that dance on the screen, you know? So. Right. It's, it's very different. Yeah, it's, it's very different. It's moving design. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, like it's a weird way to say it. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah, that. I love it too. And look at you now. Look at you. Look yeah. At you. I still feel like, man, I, I, the thing I love about motion design is there's always Monsters. new ways and yeah new designers and it's just so incredible and uh just like new techniques and new software new plugins it's just always expanding and it's kind of like web design it's just a different side of it and um true you know it's just like because it's just changing so much and you know now we got like snapchat videos and we got vr and augmented reality and things so it's just going to keep going and going and yeah it's just fun to see you know it is, yeah, because it is, uh, you know, I'm wondering too, like to myself, I'm like, you know, you see all these things that kind of go out of style or, you know, let's say Flash, right? Like Flash, Flash mm -hmm. is still being used, but it's not being used necessarily in the same way that it was a quote unquote originally for. Like, so for example, like when I saw Flash, I was like, okay, Flash did two, I mean, it still does this, but I was like, people are using Flash for the websites and doing these shitty anime. These crazy animations. Yeah. That's shitty because there's some really good stuff. Yeah. It was just clunky and then Apple killed it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was that. And then there was like, you know, um, so the website stuff. And then there was like the animation stuff. That was great. Mm -hmm. And it's still great. People still use it. Yeah. Professionally. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, but, you know, that goes away. Right. Or like fireworks. Right. Was it? Was it? Fire, was it fireworks? Fireworks was for like making web graphics for macromedia yeah right and so yeah. that went away macromedia yeah. that went away yeah and so like you know you always see like things come and go yeah and then i always wonder like when is that for you know after effects oh like when it gets replaced when is when is there time man i or think does it just eat like you know like when does that happen i think or compositing program after effects came and took out motion kind of apple made motion along with final cut pro but see okay and i never i never See, I was never when it was popping. I wasn't. Yeah, neither was I. Wasn't, I, I, I wasn't hip. It to was it. before my time. Right. Yeah. So I guess yeah, maybe that was it then. I mean, I think it's one of those things where it transitions, but you'll be able to see it transitioning. Like you, you'll notice that people are moving using this program because, like, for web designers, this is a new app. Well, it's not new anymore. It's called Sketch, and I don't know if you know, but like a lot of people have been moving towards Sketch as opposed to like Photoshop slash Illustrator for like web layouts. Oh, yes. I've, yeah. 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 So there's a big transition, but there's still like a big, bit, bit of a fight. And it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, you kind of have to learn the other thing too. It's kind of almost like how currently in motion design, you kind of almost have to know cinema. And yeah. you're, you're, you're seeing it come and become more and more a part of like the motion design like curriculum. Like you kind of almost need to know it. And like I'm still behind on that, but that's something I'm acknowledging that I know that I'm going to need to keep continue to learn it. And I, but you actually got you. What's funny is that for you not using much, you know a lot. Well, I, I like <laughs> so to you know all these like facts. <laughs> I want to know all the tech. I like to know the technical knowledge, so right, I'm able yeah. to kind of you know, you know, like know the terms in my head, so I can Google it when I'm 
looking it up on the internet. Right. Because if I know the technical terms and what they do or what they're like associated, I can kind of deconstruct it and, you know, learn it myself. I think the main problem I have is like modeling and breaking apart models and like animating that. That's the part that I'm still struggling with. You know, right. like I can't make models. I can't really like animate. I can do simple animations, but once it gets to the like the next level, if I'm turning birds into like, you know, wires that connect to a tree and then, you know, oh, like Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like morphing and yeah. into that with the thinking particles. I think, and, yeah. Yeah. Like oh, if you're God. starting to go into like the X particles and the yeah. things like that, you're going to lose me because I'm still kind of like, I'm still trying to do like hypernerves or whatever it's called now. <laughs> well, I don't even <laughs> yeah, know. I, mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know if they're, I don't know the, actually I don't know. Like, it's called subdivision, subdivision, subdivision. Yeah. yeah but surface. it's a hypernerve. Yeah. You know? Like a Maya guy would be like, yeah, it's a hypernerve. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's, yeah, subdivision surface. What do you call it's it? A, I think a subdivision surface, yeah. Yeah? All yeah, right. they changed the name. That's fine. I use, I just, I use fucking cinema almost every day now. <laughs> like, I don't even know the Well, name. you don't pay attention to the names of things sometimes. Yeah, I just look yeah. for the green thing. Yeah. <laughs> with the check mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I always wonder that. Because, like, you know, with VR coming out and mm – -hmm. or not coming out, but, you know, VR becoming more popular and, uh, you know – being more relevant to how like con consumers and stuff like that and you know there's apps it's just interesting because you know like at first it was like man this animating thing like how how far does that go obviously mm -hmm. it can go to film it can go but like how long does that last like what's this longevity like television right like how mm -hmm. what's television's longevity but then you see like okay well television is just changing it's like you know it's going to yeah, yeah, I guess like I don't know what the word. Maybe the word is not broadcast, but you know that whole sixteen by nine, yeah, stuff. Oh, all yeah. that is you know all that is still going to be relevant because now there's more screens. There's yeah, iPads and there's apps and apps need to be animated and you know they also need to be designed and. I feel like we're always going to want to be able to consume content from screens. You know, we're always yeah. going to be wanting to watch movies, not necessarily like television, but television programs. Right. We're going to always want to be watching and, you know, shows are always going to be here. Even like live television, like talk shows and things like that, they'll always be around. Right, right. You know, because, you know, even news and things like that, sports, and those are all always need graphics and they're always going to want to, you know, if anything, we're going to have more work because of more people being able to have their own news shows. So, you know, CNN wants to expand to Snapchat and have its own Snapchat story. Like, we're going to need animators to do that. We're going to need – they're going to need animators to do it for their website. They're going right. to just – we're going to have – I feel like the problem with animation is that it's going to be spread out a little thinner. So it's going to be a lot of people doing it. But it's just – you know, like the level of work not necessarily being raised sometimes. You know right. what I mean? And I think that could be a problem. Oh, quality, quantity. Yeah, yeah, How yeah. good does it really need exactly. to be for this? Yeah. Because then, you know, like if you get a large – like say I'm CNN and I need a 100 animators. You yes. know what I mean? I can't afford to get the best animators to do it. You know what I mean? So I really think that could be a potential problem. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, people value good work. And when it comes to, like, the higher profile projects or, you know, like narrative and story-driven pieces and the pieces that people truly care about, then they'll still go to the, you know, the, right. like, post houses and things like that. Right. Yeah. I always hear that, like, opening titles don't – are, like, not the – they don't – they're not as much money as you think they are. Oh, yeah, title sequences? Right. Yeah. I, I always hear that, and I, I don't want to believe it. But I, I'm like, those are the best ones. Those are the ones <laughs> that people want to work on, though. You right, Because yeah. that's, that's like almost like a passion project. Because say I like grew up loving Wolverine, <laughs> and you know 
Uh, right. Marvel approached me and was like, "Hey, why don't you pitch for doing the title sequence for Wolverine 3? Yeah, and it's going to do that, buddy. And it's like, wow, like that's like the coolest thing because this is like a character and a story that I'm like in love with, right? And I get to do a piece for it. And then you know, like they'll be like, "Oh, but we'll pay you ten dollars an hour minimum wage." Perfect. I'd be like, "I'll do it." You know what I mean? <laughs> and then if I, if I did a great job, then everyone's going to be like, "Everyone knows, wow, who you are. yeah, that was such a good piece." And you know, like you'll always hold it dear to your heart. I mean, it's, so it's not kind of like Super Bowl where you perform for free. <laughs> everyone gets to see you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Golly. It's just a big stage and, you know, it means a lot to you. You know, it's like it's like kind of almost a reward for your hard work, you know. Right. Because I look at True Detective opening title, like the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Just amazing. elastic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but then you see that and you're like. You know, you're like, man, I don't know. I, I remember reading, uh, I think maybe it was like Art of the Title or a motionographer. It was like an interview. And um, it just didn't sound like there was much. didn't sound like there was a... Uh, large budget? No. Well, maybe the word's not large budget, but like, yeah. But turnaround time, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like the turnaround time. It was, it was either one, right? Yeah. But man, they were just so creative in how they, you know, like, they, like getting the... Um, you know, which is, you know, pretty common, like getting like clips from the series. Yeah. Some little clips they want, you know, that you could possibly use, how they were able to capitalize on it. Like they're like, all right, we have these we have these shots of like Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. You know, what the fuck do we do with this and this little bit of time and the fact that, you know, because if Elastic wanted to, they could do anything. Like, yeah. You know, right. But I guess I'm assuming that the limitations that they had. You know, mm -hmm. really helped make this what it was, right? Yeah. If it was like, yo, you got like $200,000 to make this title, they'd be like, all right, well, <laughs> it probably wouldn't look like that. Yeah. Right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you do have to put money because it takes a lot of manpower, you know? Right. But man, like, if it's a show like True Detective, well, I mean, they only ran that title sequence for one season, but right. if you did a good job on a show and they renew it and they renew it and they renew it, if it becomes 10 seasons, you know, like, your work's going to be. If they go to you again. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I'm assuming they did season two because same style. Unless another studio did and they ripped it, which I don't think they would have done. Well, season two, I don't think looked anything alike, did it? I think It they... was the same It was the same shtick. The tile sequence? Uh, Yeah, it was the same. Was I thought a... it was a complete 180. They changed the music and everything. Oh, right. Like, yeah, yeah. In terms, of the, in terms of the feel, it's a different feel. Yeah. But that opening title sequence is that same style. It's the same concept. True it's Detective 2? With the overlay. P yeah. Oh, wait. Do we have an internet? Yeah, we Hop do. on the internet, man. Okay. Let's just do this. this it's like Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah. Pull it up, powerful uh, Michael Lang. So right now, Michael is on Firefox? What is that, bro? Safari. It's Safari. All right, he's on Safari. He's typing it in. He's uh, Googling. Dude, this looks nothing alike. Play it down, bro. Play it down. Because maybe I'm full of shit. Wait, it was like that? No, hold on. And there's something wrong for video card. And playing Vimeo. All right, so now he's playing Vimeo. All right, so we're looking at it. All right, okay. All right. Oh, well, like photo. It's the same concept. I guess it, it's relatively the same concept. But I, but it's definitely uh tech. It's definitely heavier on the textures and the colors. But you see, like it's that overlapping. It's a concept of like. You yeah, know, that silhouetted type look. Silhouette, yeah. like a luminance whole thing. You know, like. You know, showcasing an image through another a, a silhouette of another image on top of, but they're definitely heavier on the on this uh, texture. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more textural because the original one was very minimal, 
And right. it, it just grew, like, the models, like, the model of the woman's butt. Right, I didn't and know like, that was 3D model. That shit yeah. was so crazy. And the scene in, was only, like, inside of it, but it, like, formed the shape of her butt. And it was just, like, it was really well designed. Right. And this one's still nice, you know? No, but, it is great. It's great. But it wouldn't have left the same impact as, like, the first one. The first one was great. I don't know, man. This is this is good too. I, I mean, it's just about what came first. If this came first, look, I, I agree with you. The yeah. first one is better. The first one's better. But if the second one came first, who would know? We we don't know. We probably say this shit's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole silhouetting look is amazing. You know, I, it I is really phenomenal. like. I like that. I, I it just like made me love like track mats and luma mats and things like that so much more. Yeah, you know that is sick. Like, yeah. man, I just love. You know, it's, it must be really, it must be so difficult. Like, you know, you're being elastic uh, or anyone and, you know, probably having like skills that you know that you just fucking nail. Like, you're like, yeah, this is our shit, you know? And like, you sing everyone else and everything they're doing. And then to still come up with something that's very like still fresh. Yeah. So, and you're probably churning out work like every day. You're just banging something new out. Yeah. You know, like from big projects to projects that pay the light bill yeah and you know you're still able to get that out of you is amazing yeah i definitely think um but i think the content it just changes and then that lets you think in a different way so you're working on say i'm working on clorox one week and that's like a money project so you're like thinking more dental but then hbo will come to me and they'll be like oh i want you to work on the opening tile sequence for vinyl season two you know, which is that mu music show. And right. It's just like, it's going to change. And you're like excited again because it's something different and it's new and it's a little bit more creative. So right. I think it gives you a, little, a lot more room to kind of really like explore again. Right. And then, you know, like there's the whole pitching process, which is always kind of like a little bit of fun because like, I think the pitching process is like the best part because all you're doing is thinking. You're just gathering inspiration. You're like, oh man, this was cool. This was cool. This is how I would apply it to this project. And right. that's like the most fun part, I think. It's like that initial rush of like, what do I do? Right. Yeah. Last, last time, the last pitch I ever did was for Louie. And that was- The television show? The television show. And it was, I was like- uh, It's funny because now you watch Louie, you're like, what the fuck? None of this was used. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like you've seen Louie, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, Louie, <laughs> Louie, you know, yeah, the whole Louis, thing. Yeah, Louie, Louie, And I'm like, what? That? They... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about they didn't do anything with it? How yeah. about that? But, uh, you know. But like, you, but, but like being- Doing that, I was like, oh, my God, it's so stressful because you're like, like, we're literally just throwing out styles here. We're not even like, I don't even know, you know, like where this is going. You yeah. Know? Like you kind of just have to, like, commit to the art. And yeah, you really got to form like <laughs> commit to the art and be like, all right, well, they approved this. So what are we doing here? Yeah. Yeah. You just got to form like its identity almost, you know, it's 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 a lot of work. It's stressful, but yeah, it's it helps when you have a team, you know. Right. No, yeah. it's, yeah, in the end, it is a team effort. It's not. Yeah. No like, one man can just do all that. It's just because then it's going to, everything's going to look the same. Right. You know, that's a fact. That's yeah. a fact. And so, like, here's my curiosity, right? Yeah. So, in the midst of all this, man, how'd you get into jujitsu? Oh, man. So, I was always into, like, UFC and, like, fighting and MMA and stuff like that. And um, I always wanted to, I guess, kind of, like, take up, like, like, boxing or something as a hobby just because, like, I just thought it was cool and, you know, like... You jack would, people up when you want. Yeah, it's just, like, it, it would provide you, like, a little bit of, like, self-defense skills, get you in shape, and, you know, like, it would it would really just get you in shape. Like, I, I just really <laughs> want to, like, it would, it would be, like, moderately fun, you know? Right. 
And, um, and it would also toughen me up too, because like, you know, like if I'm getting beat up all the time, like, you know, I'm just going to become tougher and tougher. And like, that's a big thing for me is like, you know, like I want to be able to deal with the worst. Yeah. And so, uh, the, when I got into jujitsu was cause my uncle was doing it and he was doing it in Singapore at like Evolve, which was like this huge Singaporean gym. I think like Rafael Dasanyas is a coach there sometimes. He occasionally oh. goes there. Yeah. Shinya Aoki. So it's like a huge school and he was training it and then he recommended that I do it. So I went and joined it at the University of Michigan Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Club. And because um, that was like a cheap alternative and whatever, you know, like there's like meetings like twice a week to do it. And, uh, you know, we had an instructor. He was a brown belt under um, this guy, Marcio Corleta. So it was um, I didn't necessarily love it because I was small and I wasn't good. I was really bad. And um, so you just got getting just being dominated. I was being dominated. Um, but these guys are probably higher belt than you. They were all white belts because we were all like new to it. And I was like terrible at it. I was like <laughs> really bad. And I, I definitely think a big part of that was me being small. Right. But also me not really focusing on learning the techniques. Right. And like actually like because like I knew the techniques. Like I knew how to do like things like an arm bar or a triangle. But the thing is, is like I didn't really quite understand the principle and the physics behind it. And um. I think that's something that really opened my mind up. I think when I came over to New York and I started training it again, I think uh, at first, like, all I was about was, like, getting better. And I just wanted to get better. That's all I wanted. I didn't really quite pay attention to the learning. I just wanted to get better. Right. So I was, like, going really hard, you know. because so I was just always... training a lot. Like, more, you're exactly. trying to put more hours in. Yeah, exactly. I was just, like, putting all these hours in. I was just right. trying hard. And, like, I had, like, all this... I was like a bull in a china shop, you know, like I was just like running around. Wait, and, a bull in a china shop? Yeah, you know. I've never going, heard that expression. Because like you're like out of control, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like out of control. A bull in any shop. Is that <laughs> yeah. And I I started getting better a few months in and then I was like, oh, man. like, And then it got to the point where like I just wanted to beat up on people. Like I didn't want to beat up on people, but you I wanted to grind on them, grind them down. I just wanted to deal? beat people that beat me. You know what I mean? I okay. just wanted to like get ahead of them. And I got this like really competitive vibe over me. And then um, that hurt my learning though, because I was more concentrated on beating my opponent than I was about learning. You know what I mean? So I would always like, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily learn new techniques or things like that. And then once I got my blue belt, cause it took me a while to get my blue belt. And I definitely think a big part of that was because a, I was smaller B because like my training was a little uneven and inconsistent and C like, I wasn't really that like technical. It wasn't until later. Right. Well, what's considered long in in that world? Uh, usually it will take like a, a year to get a blue belt on average. Really? You know, about one year. Yeah. One no year way. average That's consistent crazy. training. Yeah. Most people get it in about like eight months, eight months to a year-ish, maybe a year and a half. Wow. I took probably almost two years to get it. So it was like a long process and I got past, well, the school like went through like renovations and got hit right. by a hurricane and things like that. So like Sandy? we didn't. Yeah, Hurricane Sandy, like, wrecked the school. So I didn't really get a chance to really, like, the school never really had chances to do promotions. And then the first promotion at the new school, which is the current school on 26th Street, uh, I was promoted to Blue Belt. Shout out to the school, Marcelo Garcia Academy. Uh, it's been my home since, you know, 2011 summers. It's a good time. I like it. It's a good time. Good people. Good training. <laughs> yeah, so I got promoted, but it was at that point, like, Somewhere along my white belt to blue belt, I just stopped caring about the belt. I just wanted to get better at jujitsu in terms of like learning techniques and, you know, like learning the skills. And that became like fun to me. It's like adding another key to your keychain. It's just yeah. like new skills and it unlocks these new doors and takes you new places. And um, yeah, so like 
I've always been like a very movement and fluid person when it comes to jujitsu, and it just became so much fun when like I just kind of moved and I reacted in ways, but I like wouldn't more go with the flow instead of being like resistant. I was yeah, I would go with the flow. I was a very aggressive. Like currently, still am. Like I, I was like always like very aggressive in my jujitsu, and um, I was always tr- about like finding the movements and the moments more so than like thinking about my moves. And I think like that's the kind of the way I learned is kind of more of like flowing through movements and like having it become second nature. So I don't really have to think I can just do. Right. And I think that's something that has always been with me is like, I'm not the type of person to, that's going to be like analytical all the time. Right. And, um, I'm going to be more of the kind of guy that kind of knows, like, cause I like the experience of like trying things and having it not work and then learning from that mistake. So I'm more of a, I don't know how to call that, but a little Go bit. with the flow, maybe? Yeah, a little more flowy. Roll with the flow? A little reckless, yeah. Reckless? <laughs> yeah. Then I, I don't want to say it's reckless. No, I mean, I think, that's a, I think that's a pretty great and honest approach. Yeah. And I want to learn, like, every technique. You know what I mean? So, like, when it comes to things called, like, guard passing, I want to know, like, all the guard passes so I can be able to switch to any one whenever it opens. I don't want to be good at one. I want to be good at all of them. And, you know, like, that's really hard to so do. So you want to be a jack of all trades. Cause no, because Jack of all trades, master of none. I want to be a master of all, but you know, obviously, you're never going to be well, that. Yeah, everyone wants to be master of all. Yeah, exactly. That's why he's the Jack. <laughs> yeah, but that's why I always want to. I always want to be familiar with everything, and I don't want to like default to one. So it is a Jack of all trades. But would you say? Would you say that it's a? I mean, what what would you say in in your experience or you like training with other people? Would you say that it's more like it is better to have? Like, you have your thing, and you're good at that thing. And, of course, obviously, it is important to, like you said, know all these other things, like, you know, yeah. all the escapes. or. I mean, it's good to know, but in terms of, like, competition, some people are just so good at their, like, one or two things right. that it helps them win. And I definitely think, for me, since I'm a little more, more spread out, I have a lot more holes in, like, things that I do. So I was never really that successful in, like, competition, and you know, like I'm, I'm, I would say like I'm average, like I'm average for like my belt and whatnot. But you know, like that's because it's also not my career, you know. So I have to understand there's like a divide there. Right. But um, it definitely does not, it doesn't hurt to know more, but it definitely hurts to not be really good at certain things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it hurts. <laughs> and it hurts. And you it know, hurts. <laughs> like you really need to be really good at some some things that, you know, like if you're in certain situations, you're gonna be able to solve like. 95 percent of the problems give me that come boom, that way. one more one one example so like it's there's types of guards and a very common guard these days is called the daily heva and um it's very common amongst lighter competitors the mendez brothers use it and they're currently today probably like the best pound for pound grapplers and so as a result a lot of younger and up-and-coming belts use the daily heva guard and it's you know, requires a bit of flexibility and things like that. And um, so most people have good daily Heva guard. And um, yeah, so if you're not able to pass daily Heva guard, they'll more than likely beat you via points or whatever. And um, yeah, so pretty much like that's like a big thing that you want to be good at is like your guard. And if you have a good daily Heva guard, you're going to beat 95% of the people unless they're really good at passing daily Heva guard. You know what right. I mean? And it's a hard guard so to pass. about who pulls that guard first. That's a, a big problem in jiu-jitsu today. Meaning the guy whose legs are wrapped around the other dude. Exactly. And it becomes a problem when you get two guard players and they only want to do this one type of guard. 
and they both Ugh. and neither person wants to try to pass because their passing isn't as good as their guard. Right. So as a result, you get two guys <laughs> waiting for the other guy to come up, and it just makes jujitsu a little bit hard to Silly. watch. Yeah, it, <laughs> just it, two guys just kind of having their hands out, like just getting ready. Exactly, they're just sitting on their butt, kind of just waiting for one person to stand. Right. And even me as a jujitsu fan, like it's hard for me to watch jujitsu unless it's my teammates. If my teammates, then I'll be like really excited, you right. know. But of course, yeah. Even if it's like high level guys, like I'll just like passively watch it. It's not it's not a spectator sport, you know. Right. Yeah. Unless you're really into it, of course, or you got you know. Yeah. You got a buddy, like you said. There's just not a lot of moving in it. You know what I mean? You're confined to a ten by ten space, and you know, if half of it, you know, one person's sitting, one person's standing, like not nothing's going on. It's not going to be that entertaining to see. You know? And like, so wait, so what's that? The Eddie Bravo Invitational? Oh, that's a ton of fun to watch, though. Well, that's right? because he, isn't that like one of the? He's like, isn't he like? That's his whole thing. Like he wants to be entertaining and fair, and yeah, you know, he wants people to watch it. He incentivizes uh, submissions, and um, he doesn't penalize you with points. And the point structure is really good for competitions when you have 200 competitors. But if you're having two guys fight, you don't necessarily want points. Like if you got two high-level guys right. and you wanted to be submission martial arts, you don't necessarily need points. Right. You know, so Eddie Bravo Invitational is a lot of fun because it's, you know, like a time 10-minute format. He's like a fun overtime policy. And um, it really like is about submissions. And it's so fast-paced. And the guys he gets are really high-level, but they have really good – ways to do their submissions there's this guy eddie cummings who's been like leg locking everybody from henzo's it's been it's really interesting to see for sure because he kind of came up like this past year before that like his name wasn't really thrown around a lot so it's really interesting to see and he came up just because of that Eddie bravo or he, you're saying no like no he was... no he, he came up because he was a training partner of this guy gary and then he Gary became very popular, and then as a result, they just kind of both been doing a lot of competitions and just winning a lot of them, you know. Yeah. So. I like it. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's fun to watch people get like get better. Like you see people rise up, especially because of jujitsu. You can follow them from blue belt all the way to black belt. Well, you know, white belt if you like know them, but you know, it's hard to know the white belts because there's just so many. And um. It's really interesting to see people that are like really successful at the lower belts and then how they do at the next belt and how they do at the next belt and how they do at the next belt. It's like watching a guy from middle school football all the way to like professional football. Oh, that's a great analogy. Exactly. So like blue belt's <laughs> like middle school and then high school is like purple belt and then college is like brown belt and then professional is black belt. You know what I mean? And Fuck. you see what happens. And then when you get to black belt, like, you know, two thirds of the brown belts kind of just drop off the competition map because, you know, to be a competitive black belt, that's your career. You can't right. really do anything else, you know. Right. And there was a was there a time where you were like, man, jujitsu. Yeah, there it. was. I actually, man, I quit one of my jobs one time, and I wanted to train full time. Yeah. And I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, because I was young and I was dumb and I was like twenty two years old at the time. Well, and, well, okay. And I was just like, I loved jujitsu. Right. And I was just so motivated and I trained like all the time and I wanted to be able to just train all the time. So I wanted to work part time and like get by and just eat and, you know, like buy food and, you know, afford to like the minimums, you know, like because yeah. I don't need a lot. Right. And um, I wanted to try and be like competitive in jujitsu. This is at Blue Belt. So it's like the time to try. Right. Um, and that didn't go very well. You know, I entered a couple of competitions and I did not do well. And, like, I was like, man, this sucks. Because, <laughs> like, you're not getting paid when you lose, you know? You're like, actually paying. You pay to compete, 
And even if you won, you don't win anything. Right. You win a medal, and you know that you're getting better. But, and pride. Yeah. And for your school. And right? it's like prestige and things yeah. like that. Yeah. But for me, it was hard because I was training, and I guess like there was better ways to train, but you know, like you have to kind of learn through it and work through it. And um, for me, I just felt like every time I compete, it's just I feel like I'm missing something. Like I guess I just don't have that like, athlete's competition competitive drive or something like there are times i feel lackadaisical there are times that i feel not that sharp there are times i feel sharp but then i just run in some way that just like rolls me over and then there's times that i actually do really well and then it's just like a little uneven and it's like am i willing to invest all this time money and training into like being something that i may never reach or do i want to focus on a career that can like you know that feed your kids that can help me (laughs) yeah like support myself and yeah you know, get better at and, you know, like I can see the rewards more and I'm working with people and it's, right. it's not as cutthroat because in jujitsu, if 128 people enter, 64 of them lose in the first round. Right. And oh, then they go home. Harsh reality. Yeah. I, I, I went to California twice to compete and I think I spent like $1,000 each time. I lost in the first round both times and it was just like, you know, I mean, I got a good experience. It was a lot of fun right. and whatnot, but like. Do you feel that if you had done it locally like a jersey connecticut long it's, island you see the thing, thing the thing with me is that i felt like i tried harder when i went to california because there was more at stake right and so i was for more sure. focused for i sure. felt a lot better but competing at home i was like oh you know i could like go to bed at like 11 at night and i could take the subway familiar with the area right. like i was a little bit more like a days ago i'm like oh i'll go back to the gym on monday you know like there wasn't this whole period of sulking like in california if you lose like you just sit there and wait all day and yeah, you're like, oh, you this watch, sucks. You watch everyone else, right? Yeah, you watch everyone else, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think, like, it just – I don't know. I, like, lost a big part of it when I think my career started getting, like, started getting a lot better. And it kind of was like, oh, well, like, my career and my skills in design and motion graphics is getting so much better. And, like, it's taking more and more time of my life. So I had to compromise the jiu-jitsu, which was fun. But then, you know, it becomes less and less fun as you do it more and more, you know, like. Right. You need, like, yeah. something else to drive you. I mean. Yeah. You need, you like. Know, you need something else to light a fire under your Yeah. Ass, like, you the know? competition isn't things like that where a good fire. But then, you know, like, it kind of, once I started losing, I think it kind of got to me a little bit, you know. Right. But, no, I still do it. I still love it. You know, there are, it's a big love-hate. But, you know, I'm probably going to do it for, like, as long as I can. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't mean you have to, yeah. It's tough, I'm sure, like you, like, uh, you already know, I've been talking to you a lot about this crap. Yeah. But like, just like, uh, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, right? And you have to really pick, like, what are the things that you are, what are the things that you're willing to put time in that, uh, you know, that you feel is going to, like, reap the reward, I, I guess is the way Yeah. Like, you know, like, what are you willing to put your time into that you won't regret. Yeah. You know. Exactly. And that's why like my career became like a big focal point for me just because like if I'm working hard in my career, it can take me anywhere. I can work anywhere like in the world, you know. And like that's something that I value a lot is if I was like a really good designer, I could work in any country or And you are a good designer. Well, I could always be better. Country. Always can get just better. Break <laughs> just break your lease and leave. <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's that simple. Yeah, <laughs> it could work remote. You know, like those people that are now working remote and they're like living abroad. It's like a yeah, really like nice lifestyle. Yeah. And um, 
I don't necessarily want to do it because I love being in New York. Yeah. But I do want to be able to go abroad for periods at a time to work in a different place, you know? I mean, do you, do you, how long do you see yourself in New York, man? You're a Texas boy. Oh, You're a Southern man. boy. I'm, I'm a Southern boy by, like, situation, not by heart. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's so jacked, man. It's horrible. <laughs> it's just like. I'll remember that forever. Yeah, it's true. Like, I mean, yeah, I was born in Dallas and I was raised there. And I have a lot of tendencies that, like, I relate to. But at the same time, I feel like I'm more of an urban type of guy. I'm a really, like, you know, fast, everything's around you type person. Yeah. And, um, you know, new people every day type deal. Like, oh, you know, like, I'm going to go out to a bar and I'm going to run into, like, this person I haven't seen in a long time. And, like, hey, let's catch up and then be friends. Like, I'm, like, really into that whole, like, New York lifestyle. It's just... So I don't know. I love it. I love the metropolitans. Right. Um, so, yeah, I always kind of always gravitate towards either two things. I either go to like really industrial city, like not I wouldn't call them industrial, like metropolitan cities like Tokyo and things like that. I, I love those because their culture is like different. But it's so different. <laughs> and um, and I also really like nature oriented places. I was like, going to say, OK, then what do you do? Like someone's like, all right, bro, you want to come to Brazil? Yeah. I mean, Brazil's really uh, metropolitan, surprisingly. Oh, work? Yeah, they have okay, a, they so have a metro know. system and things like that. I think it's the whole, like, everyone's, like, in this close proximity. So there's, like, a lot of different subdivisions. And I really like that, seeing that in the city. Like, so in Brazil, I love Sao Paulo, which is essentially like New York City, but a little bit bigger and a lot more. I think there's even more people in Sao Paulo than there are in New York. And there's, like, these different regions that are, like, they're just known for things like neighborhoods, not necessarily cities, but like neighborhoods. So if right. you go to areas like this is this park, that's Ibuera Poeta. it's like similar to um, Central Park in New York. And so if you go there on a weekend, you're going to see all these people like having picnics or music playing or skateboarding, riding bicycles. And that's like amazing to see. I love that. And then if I want to go to the artsy section, there's a section over there called Villa Madalena. Which is very similar to Soho, like Williamsburg, in terms of like there's all these bars and there's all these young people and there's, you know, people eating outside and they're like drinking, having a good time. There's music playing. And it's just like the whole proximity of being able to choose like, oh, today I want to go to the artsy section. Today I want to go see a museum. Today I want to go to the park. And having the option to be able to do any of those things without necessarily having to like plan it is something that I value a lot. Right. Like it's not like uh... – <laughs> A day yeah, trip. Exactly. <laughs> in Dallas, like, in actual Dallas, there's a little bit more of that, like, city vibe. I lived in a suburb, so it was always kind of like... Like a 40-minute commute. Yeah, it was like a 40-minute commute, and you, Traffic. like, if you wanted people to come, it was a little bit harder, you know? And you can't just go there and meet people. It wasn't, like, as social. Right. Yeah. It's more like you know people, and maybe you'll stumble upon someone, or someone yeah, introduce you at, you know, but yeah, right. Yeah, like, it's just, things feel more open in cities. Like, people are more willing to try things and hang out and there's just random events happening and you can just find people to go with you that want to go and concerts are always happening it's just i just enjoy that i enjoy the cultural aspect of cities like and the people you meet yeah two last questions uh-huh are you ready yeah you versus joe rogan who wins joe it, rogan versus michael lang in a fight man i would really i really want to see his jiu-jitsu like in a competitive state <laughs> And if, like, I have to be the sacrificial lamb to see it, then, like, I'm more than so willing to. Yeah. But, like, I just really – because he's such a famous guy, and I would really like to see him do jiu-jitsu, like, competitively. I don't necessarily need to see him win. You know, if I, if he did the EBI Invitational, like, it would – That would be cr- – But it would he's, be like, 49. 
do a ma- do, do a old. do an I'm old man's saying, EBI. Right. Put it would other, have to be that. It would have to be that. Do a bunch of other forty plus year olds. Just have him roll with like the new guys. Just right. as, like have him a little bit like you know a little bit more relatable in terms of like his skill set and like you know like things that he knows, things that he doesn't know, things that. You know, like that way, I want him to be a bigger part of the jiu-jitsu community, I think, because he's like way into the MMA community and he's like a big deal. He's but a like, huge deal. I, he'd like, he, I would re- really like it for him to be in the jiu-jitsu community because uh, he has like such a loud voice and like a lot of people hear it. It's true. And, um, a huge platform. you know, he, he seems to be kind of like his, in his own thing with jiu-jitsu and it's like more of like kind of something he does. And I would really like for him to be like a part of that community and know all the new guys and like learn about like the new purple belts and the IBJJF. Because I knew like when he was interviewing with Eddie Bravo, he was like so unfamiliar with a lot of things that were a big deal in the jiu-jitsu community. And I would like him to be a bigger part of that, you know. So you would win. Do I think I will win? Probably not. But if we scored with IBJJF points and we wore geese, because I don't think he trains in the gi, you know, I, could, I, I know my ways to stall, you know, get, get a couple cheap points out there. You know, that's what I would like to do. That's totally what I would do. I mean, the dude's like 50, 60 pounds bigger than me. I'm totally just kind of, I'm, I would stall for, if our match was seven minutes, I would stall for six minutes and 40 seconds and try to score points for the last 20 and, nice. hope, and hope I win. And just go all out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, shit. Or if I got my points early, I would just try to stall for the rest. Like, uh, I mean, it's like not the way jiu is supposed to be, but that's totally what I would do. Yeah, right. This time it is. I'm taking the W. <laughs> just win, baby. What do you, uh, what do you, what do you find is the biggest thing you're learning for you? Like every year is more true to you i think anything oh man anything at all i definitely think uh the as i grow up get older i think i want a lot less in life in terms of like material objects and things like that and i truly value more like the relationships i have with the people in my life and uh like how helpful they are and how much they're willing to offer for me to like learn things and you know, like they'll help you with work or like, you know, like I have work coworkers that'll help me with like technical skills or I have my roommates that'll help me with technical skills or my friends who will help me like just have a good time and just be there and talk to me. And, you know, like the people I meet and my family, I definitely think I learned to value that thing more than anything. And the things like the new shoes and things like that, like I've less, I have a lot less value for. So I've learned to live with a lot less, but I know what more of what I want is something that I've like learned growing up. That's a tough, I mean, yeah, that's a really good, uh, it's so important, man. Cause like there's times where I'm like, man, I just want to wear like, I just want to buy like five black jeans. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe more than five. Yeah. <laughs> like I want to buy like five black jeans, buy like, you know, five black shirts and just be fucking done with it. And yeah. Just wear that shit every day. And I don't want to think about it and like not be, you know, but then, you know, that you're like, man, that's a really cool really cool cool captain planet t-shirt yeah well i mean that that (laughs) i would because you actually like like it you know what i mean i think something i was able to do like recently i don't know how recently i just like kind of stopped associating kind of like brand names and things like that and i started thinking of things more in terms of like how it provides utility and so like if i buy a bag i'm like well does the bag have a lifetime warranty is it waterproof does can it hold my laptop is it light Right. You know what I mean? Is it is it if it's five double times ply. as expensive? Is your business card double ply. Exactly. Does it serve a purpose serve as purpose. to why it's this way and why it's more premium, you know? Or is it just like a sticker? <laughs> you know? So 
you know, Ooh, that's that. that's a big thing with me. It's like utility. Like, what purpose do these things serve? Right. No, that's important too. I mean, yeah. I think it's a dude. New York, you gotta have that. Yeah, man. Like, if your shit doesn't do two things, then you, you're fucking wasting your time. Exactly. You know, like even too, like I have this like glass table, and so you can see through it. You know, it's glass. You know, yeah, I mean? like it's hollow. And I'm like, man, I really wish I got it like a chest, so it can double as yeah. something I can put stuff in, or I can or I eat on top of. Exactly. And it's, like, it's only a you know yeah. or like can i stack this <laughs> can, I stack, <laughs> can yeah. I stack this if i can't stack it i don't want it yeah it's like no space man you gotta have a lot of reasons to be useful you know what i mean <laughs> otherwise i'm gonna try to replace you that's how that's it that's how i think about everything this, in my house this applies to humans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not just clothes that's right <laughs> that's awesome yeah and uh is there anything you'd recommend to like students i definitely think for students i think it's good to Go into things that you don't necessarily think you would like, but you know other people like. And you know that there's this strong like culture around it. So like web design is a good example. If you don't necessarily like it, I want you to like just go into it and experiment it and try it. Because you're not necessarily gonna like everything you do when you first try it. But if a lot of people do, maybe they'll like show you in a way that you didn't necessarily learn originally. Cause I didn't learn motion graphics. Like when I was like when I thought of it, I didn't really think I would like it. And then I was taught it in a way and I met people that I liked and they liked it and then they did it. And I was able to like view it in the way that they did. And I learned their perspective. So I definitely think being open-minded and trying to like learn people's perspectives as to why they like things is a very big thing for me to tell people. And where do you see yourself five years from now? Five years from Ten now? Ten years from now. Ten years Let's from now. That's crazy. Ten, Ten years from now, I'll be 34 years old, almost 35. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, everyone who doesn't know, Michael Lang, 24. He's like the youngest designer I know. I know. That I work with. It's, it's that weird. I work with. It's Not weird that, that everyone thinks that I'm young. And it's... I know. Because I feel like I've been working forever. Mike, <laughs> Lang called me old. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'm 27, dude. It's, it's just it's funny because like everyone's like, wait, you can't even rent a car. They're like, oh my god, how old are you? You're 24. Like, you can rent a car, just like you have to, like the insurance yeah, is like crazy. They charge something. you a fee. Yeah, yeah. But in 10 years, 34 years old, I mean, I would ideally be settled down in terms of like, I kind of already accomplished what I was like going for in my career. Like I've done a lot, and you know, I'm... Super Bowl 50, <laughs> Super hey. Bowl 50. Yeah, that's one thing that on the list that won't be taken away so right. that was nice um yeah i definitely think i want to be more relaxed i think you know because right now i'm working like crazy like all the time and it's good because i'm young you know and i'm like always i have this like big hunger but hopefully by then like i've kind of done what i wanted to do and you know i'm happy with my life and you know probably living like near the water you know like maybe like a california or something where yeah. the weather's nice and you know, I don't have a long commute. I want like a five minute commute to work each way. And Wait, what could, if you could have it your way, what would be your way? What would be like the ideal, like near a beach, but still doing, you know, design? At, or is it more like, you know, like design? At beach, age 34, I would probably, I want to be more like a managerial 34 role. is not old. Just remember this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, would, I would like to be in a managerial role in terms of like a little bit more decision making. Yeah. And I would like a really short commute. And I, I mean, ideally, oh, like, a like a parking space. Yeah. Yeah. And I hear you. Um, yeah, I guess like just being more of a, a leader than a doer, you know, but being able to still put in work in terms of being able to like do the work myself. But right. I would like to be a leader, hopefully, and kind of lead 
and um you know pass on like what i learned in this 15 years of career that i've had you know and hopefully you know get some good work out of some young hungry kids and motivate yeah, them in ways the that yeah like motivate them in ways that i was motivated you know and like yeah. hopefully i can pass that on to like the next generation and you know I think it'd be a lot of fun. I I would ideally probably be working on a smaller place. I don't know if I want to stay in like a big corporate space. Yeah. It's just like a lot of hurdles, you know? It is. A lot of consistency, but you know, hurdles that, you know. Is I don't... it more consistent? In a it seems, company? I see, it seems a little bit more consistent. Consistent? Oh, consistent in terms of. Like, you know, pay and tenure. Oh, like, you okay, know, I got yeah. You, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> like, consistency in terms of. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, you know, like, if you yeah. get a corporate job, you're generally there for a while. You know, people right. work at places for, like, 10 years, you know? Right. So. It's true. Yeah. It's a fact. It's interesting because you look at these, like, uh, small companies, and it is very different. Like, a big company to a small company, they definitely have their pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. You know, smaller companies, in my opinion, I feel like they're definitely, like, putting in way more hours. You know yeah. What I mean? But, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that's a... It's a trade-off, I guess, right? Yeah, they're always understaffed, <laughs> and um, they're always working hard. They're right. always miserable. The pay is not always there. Right. But uh, they're always trying their best, and I really like right. that. I like that hunger. So I would ideally be like in a managerial role at like one of those because those kids are so hungry. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just like I, I really like to be around motivated people. It's yeah. just I feed off of it. You yeah, know, like I'm one inspiring. of those. Yeah, it's like I feed off of it, and I feel like. I kind of give off that vibe too. So like if it's all together, it's just like we're all headed in the same direction. And I really like that. I don't really like to be complacent. So yeah. that was Michael Lang on the podcast. Thank you so much, bro. Uh, really thank you for having it. me. You're the best. I appreciate you. We just shook hands right now. Loyal. <laughs> you loyal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, how can people reach you? Uh, you can go to my website, michaellang.com. It has my contact information on there. So check out his portfolio, all yeah. that jazz. Yep. Follow him on the gram. Oh, my, my Instagram name is Snowcone Machine. My Twitter is Snowcone Machine. I don't use my Twitter nearly as often. But if you ever uh, are available on Instagram and you want to know what I'm up to, just follow, find me on Snowcone Machine. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I use. Um, yeah, and it just kind of has pictures of me kind of traveling and, you know, food and things like that. <laughs> you know, just like random bullshit happenings, you know. All the things that matter, though. Yeah. Those are all the things that matter. And I really like to experiment with my photography on Instagram. You know, I uh, have a lot of cameras. I have a Black Magic Pocket. I have a Fujifilm X100. I have a D7000. You know, I have my iPhone, which I is... I love that. I can nerd out with you with cameras, man. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so, so fun. Yeah, I love nerding out on cameras because I always, like, man, there's so many cameras out there, and they all are better at certain things than other cameras. And you're like, oh, man, like, what? things do i want i want the ultimate camera oh, it doesn't exist <laughs> yeah i wanted the ultimate camera that's like affordable <laughs> it's like oh it's small man and light yeah so you <laughs> i really like having the whole process of picking your compromises because that's so much fun yeah it's just like well you know like i can just work on it and post and i get better at post you know for dealing with these things i just want that image quality for me it's all about like my favorite thing is dynamic range it's just like oh yeah. my god it's so much fun Man, I could just like get lost in days, just like color correcting and grading, and you know treatments and things like that for pictures and video. It's it's fun, and I I definitely think that's one thing that I don't want to work in for a very long time, because that's just something I enjoy for fun. Yeah, you know, like I I wanted to, you know, I was like thinking about it. I was like, you know, maybe I should like start taking pictures of people and like chart, you know, like do a business oh, out of it. Yeah. And I was like, 
I don't know if I should do that. Like, I don't know if I want to ruin this. Yeah. I already pimped out my design career. So, I mean, like, you can't take that from me, too. You know what I mean? Like, it comes a point where uh, I draw a line. And I draw my line at my Instagram. Like, it's just Instagram (laughs) for photography. Like, I'm not going to shoot your wedding. I cannot. Like, I mean, I I could, but it's just not. Would you want to? I wouldn't want to. I mean, no, I never would. Because I feel like, you know, like, in my head, in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, if it's my friend. Well, I did, like, some engagement photos for, like, Peter and Gabby. And that was Yeah. But, like. For a full on wedding, yeah, that's tough. Man. Yeah, like a real job, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. If they're like, oh, we want, if like John Paul, our boss, came up to me and was like, hey, I want you to shoot the headshots for the players, I'd be like, what the hell, man? Like, that's not fun. <laughs> I was trying to do that. I was trying to not the headshots. Wait, no, they weren't headshots. They were like full body. Oh, the green screen. Like, yeah, I was like, uh, not the green screen. I wanted it to be there. Yeah, but it was in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, um, the just like the photos, like the specialty okay. photos. So like all, you know all the photos, so all the stills, yeah. Like, you know, in their championship uniforms, yeah. You know, like this is their game gear, and it was just because I knew we were going to be using it. So I was yeah. like, oh, we're going to be using this shit. I want to shoot it. Yeah. So I was trying to get that happening, but yeah, I would like it didn't to. Happen. I like that because you have a lot more control. You know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, it's like it doesn't appeal to me. Like I right. like it because I like the control because I want to be a part of the process. Right. But in terms of like, if I was commissioned to do it as like an external party, I would not want to do it. So I guess John Paul asking me, I mean, I know I'm going to be working in it. Then I guess I will want to because it's like a building block of what yeah. I'm going to be working on. But if um, – You're going to be using those photos anyway. Target asked me to shoot a campaign for them. Like, Actually, I probably would. I would definitely take yeah, that I would, I would Yeah, I would do that. Target. I'm talking like the smaller things. You like, know? like Uncle Bob next door? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, definitely it's not just Bob's like, Burgers. It's not my kind of interest. Or like, yeah. But see, I, I, was, I go to this restaurant a lot called um, – what the hell is it called? Doghouse, sorry. In the yeah. story of Queens. Shout out. And uh, there's this guy, Vladimir, super cool dude. He's the owner of the company. And um, we eat there all the time. And he was like, man, uh, I saw his photos on Instagram. I'm like, yo, man, the food looking great. I'm going to have that today. And uh, he's like, yeah, you know, we're, we want some more pictures for the website. And then next thing you know, I'm like, dude, I'll take the photos. Don't even worry about it. He's <laughs> like, I got you for the on the next meal. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, see, like for that, I can do, man. I was like, I can take some pictures. Yeah, I, I could do that food, too. Yeah, I would know? do that. I would do that too. I guess actually. it's like about the, like, it's weird. I guess it's like, I just don't want to shoot weddings. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like events. You know, I don't want to shoot events or weddings. Right. And um, I don't necessarily have like the skill set to like art direct a whole shoot. I don't want to do like high fashion or anything like that. You know what I mean? It just like never. You'd be surprised about how much fucking photo retouching goes into fashion. Yeah. It is mind blowing. I like fine art photography a lot though. You know, yeah. like that's a lot of fun. I also like doing video. So that's fun too. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just like, I really like to experiment and experiment doesn't always work with like clients or things like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. They won't just pay you to just be dicking around. Yeah. Just like wear silly costumes and just take nice pictures of that. You know, like, <laughs> One day. Yeah, one day. That was Michael Lang. Thank you so much, brother. Oh, thank you, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank and that's you, man. it? I really appreciate it. Yeah, that's right, it. Perfect. And, um, you know, check out uh, all the interviews on moreafterwork.com. Be sure to keep up, with us, keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and SoundCloud. And if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to rate us on iTunes and share it with others that you think would enjoy it. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and uh, catch y'all later. Thanks again, bro.